0: From the Cyber Hub Bunker in Studio, you're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO,
1: James Azar.
0: What's happening, security gang? Welcome to a Friday conversation with the one, the only, the special Sue Bergamo. Sue, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: I'm great, James. Thanks for having me today. This is going to be a lot of fun.
0: Uh, I can't wait. We're going to be talking about you know SEC cybersecurity compliance, but before we do that, for those audience that are tuning in uh, live to our broadcast, thank you for being here this Friday. We appreciate it. Thank you for all of those listening after the live broadcast of the show. For those who don't know Sue, let me give you just a little bit of kind of like a preview of her prestigious career because it's a prestigious one, y'all. Currently, Sue is self employed. And like many of us hoping to reach that point at some point or another, she runs, uh, she's the CISO and CIO advisor for. Uh, bte partners previously in her previous life she's carried a lot of roles from a global technology strategist over at microsoft to the cio ciso at EpiServer to the ciso at precisely and your last gig before you joined the independent free world as the vp global information security officer at active campaign you know Sue, so you've and 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 the list can go on you've done a lot of different roles uh, but but you've always been an outspoken voice in our industry. So it's great to finally have you on the program.
1: Thank you. I believe it's important to have a, a voice in this industry because we have to stick together and uh, we have to let people know that we have needs. And it doesn't matter if you're male or female, uh, CIOs and, and CISOs, we have a lot of needs right now in the industry.
0: Yeah, we do, especially when you're looking at inflation, you're looking at all the regulatory requirements that are coming through. I'll just say, I'll I'll preface the show by saying the following. I have yet to meet a regulation that stopped the data breach. Just putting that out there, just going to let it there, let it sit, let it marinate until the end of the show. If you can think of one, let me know, because the new SEC cybersecurity rules give me an uneasy feeling, and I'll tell you why. Because the last few years for me, Sue, have been the years where I think, you know, we used to joke around five years ago, 2017, 2018, right? CISO stood for chief information security, uh, chief information scapegoat officer, right? Everyone remembers some of the swag of scapegoats on t-shirts that CISOs were at Black Hat and RSA. What do you do? I'm the scapegoat, right? When (laughs) everything goes bad, I'm the guy that gets fired. I'm the guy that's thrown under the bus. I'm the person who was responsible for this catastrophic failure. And that's why I get death threats at my home. And if you don't believe me, folks, uh, read Graham Payne's book uh, of Equifax and see exactly what he went through uh, post-Equifax breach. The, the man literally had his address leaked online. He was doxxed, uh, family harassed, and his home tailed. I mean, the cops literally had to call him and tell him to leave his house. Um, and, and I did a podcast with Graham back in 2020, 2019. Um, and, and you guys, I'll put it in the links so you guys can hear about that. But more recently, Joe Sullivan of Uber. Who, who, you know, by the grace of God, uh, wasn't sentenced to any jail time because the prosecution, meaning his former uh, colleagues at the federal prosecutor office in San Francisco, wanted to put him in jail for I think what was it, fifteen months? Uh, yeah. Uh, right, and and now we're seeing Tim Brown, the the CISO formerly of of Solar uh, under investigation and under an indictment by the uh, FTC, and so. You know, you kind of look at all of that and you go, Regulators are looking for scapegoats. And I think CISOs have, you know, taken that bandwagon. And before we just get fired, reputation ruined. You'd get a job somewhere else as a deputy or a VP somewhere, and you kind of get to go about your life. But now we're seeing people put on trial, uh, charged, yeah. um, investigated,
1: and Gary. Um,
0: reputational harm. And I don't know, you know, looking at this new SEC cybersecurity rules. I think that even adds more pressure on the CISOs. and it's not like the boards have responded by saying hey SISO, so let's elevate you to protect you we're gonna increase scrutiny on you but we're not gonna give you any sort of control so take the job take the risk and potentially risk your freedom or your financial future uh, or your family's reputation in some cases or your professional reputation even worse what are your thoughts sue?
1: Oh, I could go on forever. I share Please. some of the same concerns because the SEC didn't go as far as saying you're responsible. And they did say all C levels, but they didn't go as far as saying let's really do something about this gap in companies, publicly held companies. What they did was say, okay, you know, you're responsible for breach disclosure, even though most CISOs don't participate in that disclosure decision, right? They give the the information about what happened and then typically general counsel and the CFO and the CEO go off and they make a decision. And sometimes, you know, the CFO isn't even ex- in that decision. It, it depends, right? But a lot of times the CISO is not there. The SEC I felt should have gone just a, a little bit farther To say um, specifically, uh, you know, those who are responsible to make the decision around material breach disclosure should be responsible and the board not just become aware of, you know, cybersecurity and what a material breach looks like. But I think that they should have worked to try to define what materiality is. And I really wish they had put the CISO on the board. I really do because um, we did get a lot of the responsibility. And as I like to say to people that will listen to me, I really can rock orange, but I don't look good in stripe and I'm not going there with any company. Like I'm just not going to do it.
0: Uh, Yeah. Or apparently orange is the new black, right? Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But, but, but you, you, you know, I don't think any of us want to wear orange. I don't think any of us want to go through what Joe Sullivan went through, no. um, or what Tim Brown's currently going through.
1: Yeah. Those I have know, to
0: be, yeah. Like, I know both times.
1: of those gentlemen and, right. uh, I'm, I'm sure, well, let's take Joe first. Right. Um, I don't know him well, but I did meet him. Um, and, um, all I can say is, um, he appeared to be broken, but I'm just going to say it out loud. What that man went through was unconscionable. Being the CISO, that's all he he was a technical resource who was in charge of security. I personally, I think Joe made a mistake. Personally, I think he had a conflict of interest being the deputy, um, you know, general counsel and the CISO. Those two don't go together. Um, but at the end of the day, that man stood alone in a courtroom in front of a judge. Now, those that don't understand the story or don't know it, um, many, many CISOs, hundreds wrote to the judge and said, please don't do this. Don't convict him. It's already sending shockwaves, uh, through the industry that he's been, uh, you know, um, charged with two felonies, but please don't convict him. Um,
0: Go ahead, he, he was convicted. he just wasn't he was he, he received us yeah, he He's a convicted felon. I don't think people understand the fact that Joe Sullivan is a convicted felon. He is
1: that you're, changes you're your, life. That changes yep. your life
0: that changes you're, your life you're, you you're he's lost liberties by doing his job
1: and he'll never work again.
0: Right. yeah yes he's company. a convicted felon yeah
1: exactly. So Joe said he's doing this uh, role that he now has. he's leading a nonprofit. He said he's a volunteer and, you know, he's grateful for it. But I want to give Joe Sullivan a little bit of credit here, because if you've been following him uh, and the things that he's been saying in blogs and articles, he's not shying away from what happened. And he admits that the mistakes were made, but he's also telling CISOs to run towards security, cyber, not run away from it. And I have to tell you, I think he's got a lot of... Um, You know, I don't even know what the word I just think I just admire him for doing that, even though he's in a really tough situation. And, you know, if you look at cybersecurity and and, uh, the responsibility that we have, we're the ones who are going to make it better. Right. We have to continue to work with our executive team to try to get them to understand that the landscape changes constantly And we're, you know, like this job isn't for the faint of heart. I say that to people all the time, but you need a plan B, right? Because it, it, it can be over with before you know it. And now that the SEC has put this target on our back, um, things could happen that, you know, are out of our control.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm having a hard time rationalizing this rule by the SEC.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Um, This rule for those who don't know is, is really a, a, huge responsibility um, for, for for CISOs, right? I mean, it, it really is. Um, it's the it's, be, best thing I could say about this rule is it requires so many forms to be filled out, right? A 6K or an 8K. And then you've got to file a 10K or a 20K with your annual reports. And we just saw uh, Progress uh, move its uh, uh, essentially master company, right? Like owners come out and say, you know what, we don't think the breach really impacted us. And I'm going to say that CFO was celebrating a bit too early. Uh, I'd be excited. I'd I'd, I'd love to see, I'd love to follow up in six months and see exactly how the breach impacted their business because they were attributing growth on move it uh, in their quarterly earnings uh, this week.
1: Yeah. Well, look at LastPass. They just announced a restructuring and reorganization based on, um, I I don't want to put words in their mouth, but you know, it read to me like there was a a revenue hit. Of course there was. Uh, That was was a LastPass
0: customer and I left. Yeah. I stood by him. I stood by him the first time around. I even went on the show and, and stood by him and said, I'm not leaving him. Everyone goes through a data breach. You know they're going to come out stronger, and they didn't. Unfortunately, they dropped the ball again, and the second time was was you know, first time shame on me, first time shame on you, second time shame on me, and I left. Yeah,
1: I'm curious, who did you go to? Uh,
0: I, I don't want to give them free publicity, <laughs> uh, but but I did go to One Pass. I did, I did go to One Pass. Right, there's very few other alternatives in the password game, right? There, there's very few others. I mean, the, the, the market is very um, um, it's, it's not very saturated in that field.
1: It, it's ripe for some new technology and innovation. It leave it at that. So ultimate to, to all my CEO startup friends, uh, hear me out, hear me roar. Uh, there is, yeah. uh, there's. Um, hey Mickey
0: definitely. at transmit security. Why don't you uh, build a password protection device, your <laughs> your uh, biometric technology. I'll take that any day of the week.
1: I'm courting um, a few. We'll talk after here.
0: So, yeah. So, so, you know, but, but, you know, kind of looking in at this SEC, a lot of these different forms, you know, I, I've said it early on. I've yet to see a data breach, uh, That yet to see any sort of regulatory proposal stop a data breach. I think all this does is this actually enables cyber criminals to even. Stro- blackmail organizations much stronger because they could say you've got four days to report this. You now know about it. If you don't pay up, um, we're going to go to the SEC. If you miss it by an hour or two or three or five. And that's already been done. I mean, we, we saw that happen late last year to one organization who didn't report that they were under a ransomware attack uh, within the four days. And they reported it to the
1: SEC and the SEC launched an investigation. Of course that's they're They're looking to make an example out of some company personally. I actually like the four-day disclosure rule, and here's why. If you have ever put together um, a state-by-state understanding of the disclosure rules, they went everywhere from three days to 90 days. Right. And Connecticut right. recently changed their 90 days to 60 days, so at least they are somewhat in line with some of the other states. But as a CISO, you're following the bouncing ball, depending on where you're headquartered. And that's not an easy thing to do. So this aligns us more with GDPR, which is three days, and um, to me, that's a little bit easier than than just saying, "Oh, well, gosh, you know, wh- where are we doing business? Where are we headquartered? What what are we doing? Like, like just stop it." So, I actually like the four day rule. And um, so,
0: so, I'm going to push back on you there a little bit, because <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because if you think a data breach notification, and and you and I have been through our fair share of incidents, right? You're right. You're kind of chasing the geographical ball. What states are three days? Typically, Maine's the first state. That's why whenever you see some sort of data breach come out, the Maine attorney general is the first one to know, even though it's a state that I think has more snow than people. Uh, and my friends from Maine will hate me for that. It but, is a true statement. Um, but but there, there's, there's Maine there, right? Um, and, the, and then the ball kind of goes through. The, I think the challenge with the SEC rule is it didn't override any of those other reportings. It just added a reporting. It did. And I think that's the problem, right? We didn't eliminate something and, and, and streamline the process of reporting. We've yeah. added something that has direct and, and and impact to our organization. And the board of directors is going to care more about reporting properly to the sec than to some state attorney general's office. And, and what we've done is we've increased the cost of a breach because now we've got to add a law firm that works with our CFO to file this because this isn't something that can be filed.
1: Well, but you know, as well as I do, most companies, even privately based companies will hire an attorney along with a forensic investigator when a breach occurs. So I didn't see that. I agree with you. It, it adds. But in my mind, I always solve for the highest level. And so being that this is a federal mandate, you know, I, I counsel GC four days, like, I don't care if you have a 60 day window, just do four days. And if, I don't know if you read the recent Microsoft, uh, uh, I think it was the 10 K or the 8 K. Um, they, they actually had a nice filing, uh, with their, uh, their last breach. And uh, it didn't say a whole heck of a lot. And And I think that's one of the mistakes that CISOs are getting a little bit uptight about. You don't have to disclose every little thing that you're doing. What you do need to do is disclose that there's been a material breach, because I believe wholeheartedly that the SEC knows that there has to be some sort of investigation. And over time, and this is where GC comes in to give you those guidelines, you have to update the sec on what has happened in that investigation so if you can comply with those rules i think most public companies will be okay but yes the sec is looking to make an example out of a company unfortunately i'm hoping it's not tim brown um but it could be and if you i don't know if you had a chance to read the court filing so i'm i'm that weird person who actually does that um And, uh, you know, they're saying that Tim signed documentation that said they were compliant against, you know, their certification and their cybersecurity program and and that that wasn't true. And that's where they're getting him. They're not saying, oh, it's not just that you did not. So, like
0: you, I am weird. I read it. Not the whole thing. What I ended up doing is uploading it to ChatGPT and said, give me a good summary Um, And then kind of prompted chat GPT to find things in there for me based on the first summary I read and then kind of dug deeper, Um, which was great because, you know, it was a very long indictment and you'd probably spend three, four hours reading it. And I think I got through most of it using chat GPT in about 90 minutes. So um, I'll tell you where they're getting Tim Brown on, I think, my personal opinion based on what I saw and read. They're getting him based on a bunch of slack conversations
1: mm-hmm. between
0: internal employees yeah. that he's not a part of. So it's employees going in the going saying, I just got out of a meeting and we were asked about this. Now we said kind of. We we explained the risk, but then they just kind of brushed it off. Well, that's up to interpretation. Was it brushed off? Was the risk that the employee brought? Not a risk that an executive thought was worthy of being a top priority because of the company business priorities at the time. There are decisions that factor into that that I think aren't necessarily up to an interpretation of Slack gossip between security te- people on your team.
1: And this is where I have issues, right? So I know that you're absolutely correct. There were uh, the mention of Slack messages in the uh, SEC filing. But you know as well as I do that when a breach occurs, you're kind of keeping things close to the vest. And I'm not saying that you're not disclosing, but it's a needs to know basis, especially as that investigation is ongoing. You're not out there blabbing to the world. You know, that your security program had a hole in it, or you know, some whole, you know, some lonely little financial analyst got taken advantage of and clicked the link, right? So you have to keep things close to the vest as a CISO. General counsel is usually in the background saying you can only disclose X, this is all we're going to allow, because then there's litigation that may or may not occur based on customers, employees, you know, whatever, right, in the industry. So we're, ha- we're, we're paid to be hush hush. And, um, and this is where I, I said before, I really think that the SEC should have understood or detailed out what material materiality really intends, because if you're looking at, if they're looking at a bunch of Slack messages, honestly, that's ridiculous Right? People can make up stuff all day long because it's a rumor and, and the grapevine, and that it may or may not pertain to what's actually happened in that incident. So I, that's why I said to you, they're may, looking to make an example. They don't have any real guidelines. And I, I, I think it's going to be unfortunate for the CISOs that undergo breaches. Um, I, I hate to say this out loud, but I really firmly believe that somebody's going to go to jail. And I hope I'm wrong, but I think it will be in 2024.
0: Someone's going to go to jail and a bunch of cyber criminals that aren't going to get paid a ransom or are going to short a company's stock.
1: Yeah.
0: um, Before launching an attack. Yeah. And they're going to walk away with a ton of money um, doing so because that's all they've done is they've they've essentially created a preemptive. All right. We've got access to company X's network. Start putting in uh, put orders on the stock. And the moment we launched a ransomware and their systems go offline, we know stocks going to go down five, six, seven, eight, ten percent, whatever the case may be. Put into put orders, you know, walk away with a bunch of cash, ask them for ransom, pretend to drive a hard bargain. But if you don't get paid, you don't care because you just made a ton of money shorting that company's stock.
1: And um, I think and we've that, that
0: happened before.
1: We we have, and I think that the audience needs to understand that that's what these cyber criminals are doing they're not just out there to make our lives miserable they're making money and yep. that's their intention
0: yeah and and they're making money in a way that that i think most people go well what if they don't get paid a bunch of ransomware what, ransoms well it, it doesn't necessarily do anything cuz most insurance companies will pay A ransom to a company it's not illegal to pay a ransom to to ransomware operators and in fact some companies will pay some sort of ransom to retrieve some data that they couldn't retrieve on their own uh they'll say all right we we're not gonna pay you what you're asking us but we'll give you two million dollars to get the last three weeks worth of data decrypted it's a backdoor deal that's done through crypto that's that's done through a party that they engage with to run these negotiations and that's that and and, and, and they get it and they move on. And those guys made some money shorting the stock. They made money getting paid a little bit there. But, but, but that kind of goes into the one of the key things in this <laughs> that I found very interesting was it was in the, uh, I think, second or third paragraph of the SEC statement uh, by, by uh, the, one of the uh, guys over there, uh, last name Girding. I believe it's Eric Gerding if I'm not mistaken. Is it Eric? Yeah, it's Eric Gerding and he's the director division of corporate finance. This is I'll put the link to this in the show notes for people can read it. Um they're not trying to make the commission is not seeking to prescribe particular cybersecurity defenses, practices, technologies, risk management, governance or strategy. Companies have the flexibility to decide how to address those risks or threats based on their own particular facts and circumstances. So what you're essentially saying is you're throwing out the liability on the CISO. You're not prescribing anything to help protect that person. And you're letting the board of directors run amok of the process, realizing that, Hey, yeah, he may have to do some time in jail. We'll pay him out, but it is what it is.
1: Which is unfortunate because Again, why didn't the SEC say all companies, no matter what size you are, must take precautions to protect your environment from cyber criminals? That would make our lives a lot easy. We know it's never going to happen. And, uh, you know, I think they just sort of skirted around the issue and and then laid laid a finger to blame, unfortunately, on us.
0: You know, in, in the time we have left, I'd kind of like to ask you a question. Do you think it's worthy? To advocate for a change to the rules, meaning you've got to have someone in the board of directors that has a cybersecurity expertise that can oversee this and, and kind of sign off on the cybersecurity risks the organizations are taking um as part of this rule. Like that yeah. should at least, I mean, even if you don't put the CISO on the board. You've got to at least make sure that the board of the directors has someone who has some sort of cybersecurity expertise that that also has got some skin in the game.
1: Well, unless you're – well, I shouldn't say this, not generally speaking, but just because you're working for a public company or some sort of financial investment firm that falls under this SEC disclosure rule doesn't mean that the CISO actually reports into the board – um, or or has monthly or quarterly reporting. It it doesn't mean that they're there. So we could we could ask for you know guidelines and changes to the ruling. I doubt highly that's going to happen. But I do know a lot of attorneys and general counsels, and I've posed this question to them. And there is some discussion. This is my understanding. There is some discussion, uh, or, or in the legal community about this role, this CISO role, because it's just. It's just so messed up right now, and and we do have a target on our back, and there are a lot of us leaving our roles because we're not going to be liable for a company, especially if they don't have a good security program or won't allow us to put one in. So my understanding is that some of the conversation is the reporting structure. I know we all want to report to the CEO and the board. I doubt highly personally that it's ever going to happen, but the conversation is that where does it go? Because we all know the CIO and the CTO don't really want us in their shops because they have other things to do. And we're just making their lives harder by saying, but you have a you have a gap. You have a gap. Um, and it looks like potentially there could be a reporting relationship into uh, legal, into general counsel or to um, some high level risk um. You know, uh, reporting. So it should be interesting to see where this is all going to come out. I do wish that the SEC would change the ruling. I I don't think it goes far enough. And I think it's too loose and undefined. um, And it really, really makes us worry about the personal liability. Um, You know, and this is one of the greatest roles that anyone can ever have. I've been a CIO and a CISO for many years. I love this role. I get to yeah. not only defend against cyber criminals, but I get to protect a whole bunch of people called employees and customers. Like it doesn't get any better for me than that. But again, I'm not going to put my personal or my family's, um, you know, resources, uh, I, I'm just not going to do that for any company. I don't care how good they are.
0: Yeah. It, there, there's no upside to do that. You know, Unless. my, my
1: Unless we can work to educate the executive team, make friends, have good business relations, and get them to understand that investment, and and it's very serious business, but they have to invest in the area.
0: Yeah, I mean, my my hope with the SEC was that they would utilize CISA and go, hey, CISA, here's a reporting thing uh, we want to do. And CISA would have been like, you know what we should do is we should all go to Congress and say, you have to report to CISA every breach. We'll report it to the SEC, FDC, state attorney offices. Um, Let CISA run point on everything and let CISA pass down that information. And, you know, you look at CISA's development since Jen took over the helm of CISA, and it's a different organization. I mean, to me, it's different.
1: They're involved
0: in a lot of things. They're, they're involved in a lot of things. They're true partners. You speak to Jen. Jen's just, um, you don't get a feeling that she runs a federal agency. You get a feeling that she wants to be a partner in your struggles and what you're going through, even though she's got the weight of a nation on her shoulders, right? Um, and And I think there's something to be said about you don't let good leaders lose leader, you know, kind of, Leading a position, you rather give them. And to me, why isn't CISA leading this? Why isn't, you know, I know the NTSC and I know a lot of organizations that are working on this, but why aren't we going to CISA and saying, take a point on this, go to the White House, get Ann Neuberger, get, get the team over there on board, let them go to Congress with the White House. This will get bipartisan support. Let CISA be the place where everything happens. Let us report to CISA.
1: I think that at the end of the day, many executives don't understand cybersecurity and what it takes to defend our companies against nation state actors. They don't understand it. I've had many, many CEOs and CFOs say, what do you mean you need another tool? I just gave you an investment for a tool. And you try to explain the roadmap that you've laid out and the gaps in the roadmap and how you're going to be you know, shoring up those gaps and, and they're just seeing dollar signs. And and I understand that because I can speak business as well as as tech and security. Um, but I think that's where the gap really lies, is there's a misunderstanding. Gee, if I and and by the way, CISOs, and inexperienced CISOs, especially, just think if you bring in a monitoring tool, we're good. And that's not what it's about. It's people, process, and technology. So I think we have education to do all around and that's not a dig on anyone. It's just that we as experienced CISOs need to educate our business partners that, that this is, this is serious business and we could go to jail.
0: If, if if you take a look at, and and we're almost at time here, y'all. So just want to be mindful and and, and thank you to everyone commenting and, and and asking questions and sorry, we haven't paid attention, but we've been uh, doing our own thing here. But, um, um, we'll answer those after after the the podcast is over here in a few minutes. Um, I, I will say this, Sue. I think we're we're ninety um, percent of cybersecurity challenges are solved by good process. Yeah. We don't focus on process. No. As a general rule of thumb, uh, because we're inundated with noise.
1: And we're ridiculed and, for fi- <laughs> for optimizing process.
0: Correct. And there's nothing shiny on a presentation about optimizing a process. There is something shiny about saying we partnered with a Gartner hot company or whatever Gartner names their companies. I don't know, whatever $100,000 fee you pay to Gartner so that you can get on a list um, to somehow make you a hot company. Um, uh, I, I find that to be uh, not only disturbing, but uh, the problem with, with just how we practice security. See, the way we practice security is by process, and process entails putting your CIS top 18 in front of you, going down that list, identifying those gaps, looking at MITRE attack and defend and going, what's the greatest gap to my business? What's the greatest risk to my business have? Then go find the tools that shore up those gaps. And that's not sexy. It's hard work. It's building a building. It's paving a road. There's nothing yeah. sexy or, or nice about it. You're not creating the next hottest thing in your company, but you're not supposed to, you're the road paver. That's what security is, right? We're, we're the doctors in the ER. There's nothing, you know, there's a reason ER went as many seasons as it did. There's a reason all of those shows end up ending because there's only so many stories you can tell about bells and whistles before it's just hard work. All right. Stop the bleeding, stabilize the patient, get them on a road to recovery ship them off back to where they need to go to get better. That's what security is.
1: And if I could just make a shameless plug for my new book. Absolutely. Um, I know I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but um, I have a chapter in my new book. It's called So You Want to Be a CISO, a practical, (laughs) right? Because I'm here to educate everybody. But there's a chapter in there about frameworks, right? And so I basically say to the novice, um, just pick one, right? If you don't know what to do, just pick one. Right. And you've mentioned several, there are more out there. Um, and, uh, but I agree with you. It's, it's around optimizing process, it's about technology, and it's about making sure that you have the right security controls in place, which is through some of these frameworks. You could pick two. But again, um, you know, again, if, if I can try to educate, educate your audience, I always solve for the hardest one. Right, that's that's how I do my program. It's worked for me for many, many years. Um, and going back to your original question, no, security controls or you know frameworks don't necessarily uh, stop breaches, but they make them harder. And that's what we're trying to do um, in, in this industry.
0: It is Sue. Thank you so much for coming on the show. People can go and learn more about you and engage with you. At btepartners.com also you're very active on linkedin i am so if you're watching the show and you haven't followed or connected with sue please do so right now that's an order um <laughs> and just and, put in and,
1: just put in a note that says where you found me and i'm happy to connect with you
0: yeah absolutely otherwise she's gonna say no so if you tell her you're from any other podcast eh, i just <laughs> i'm kidding i'm joking um i, I love all my fellow podcasters um, including your very own podcast. Sue. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you for everyone tuning in this Friday morning. Um, we really do appreciate y'all. Sue, any parting wisdom, smart words before we send everyone off to the weekend?
1: Um, th- I've written articles on how to protect yourself from liability. So um please look for that. It's on my LinkedIn profile page uh, last parting words. If you've done all the bullet points that I've given you and the last one says, if you're still personally liable, walk away, just walk away.
0: Indeed. Thank you all for watching. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all your comments. We'll get to all your questions and comments here as soon as we get offline. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend. And most importantly, stay cyber safe.